You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Oh boy, oh boy, am I excited for today's show. I am Laura Cheadle, and today we are going to talk about boundaries, and specifically, boundaries after an affair. Boundaries are one of my favorite topics because so many of us, myself included, have really had a poor understanding around boundaries, what they mean, how they set, how to set them, what's realistic in terms of setting boundaries. And then I think most importantly, what having and holding boundaries can actually do for you. So we're going to address all of that in today's show. But before we do, I want you to hop on over to nakedselfworth.com and download your free copy of your Sparkle After Betrayal Recovery Guide. Because if you're anything like me, did I have a hard time after learning about my husband's infidelity. And even though I think I read every article that was online and watched every YouTube video, there was kind of a gap between my cognitive understanding of, ooh, this is why it happened or this is maybe what it was about, And the way that I was feeling, the way that I would apply that information, the steps that I would take to help that information sink in so ultimately I would feel better. Because feeling better is what it's all about. Being a master and knowing the information is great, but unless you know how to apply it to yourself to make yourself feel better, who really cares? In this Sparkle After Betrayal Recovery Guide really will help you with that. Because yes, it gives you little nuggets of wisdom that you can understand on a mental cognitive level, but it also gives you a practice for you to do for each of those mental nuggets so you can start feeling better. And feeling better is truly what it is all about. So before we take this deep dive into boundaries, (laughs) funny, because boundaries, again, help you feel better. Before we take this deep dive into boundaries, hop on over to nakedselfworth.com, put in your name and your email, and I will send you your Sparkle After Betrayal Recovery Guide. Okay, let's start. Boundaries. What are they? I started the show by saying so many people have a poor understanding of boundaries, and we do. Okay, what is your response when I say boundary? For so long, when I heard that word, I would think it's like somebody with their arms up, you know, doing stop, stop, can't come in, can't come in. And it was kind of aggressive and mean that you can't come in here. I have a boundary. And... That's not exactly what a boundary is. It is 
a bubble around you. It is a very clear line of delineation between you and somebody else, but it's not hostile. It's not aggressive. It's not pushing people away and, you know, being in this weird sense of hyper toxic power. You can't come in here. It can be if somebody continues to or routinely violates a boundary, but that's not really what setting a boundary is or what it's about. It's literally about you knowing yourself, defining yourself, and being able to choose what you will or will not tolerate. It's truly sovereignty. And it's interesting because when we talk about true, authentic power, when we talk about, you know, agency or sovereignty or whatever it is, so often the conversation does move into that place of being a little bit aggressive. And the reason that happens is because after being violated so many times, it wears us down. And we do get frustrated and we do get hurt and irritated. But setting a boundary is not about being aggressive. Setting a boundary is truly about knowing yourself and deciding what you will and you will not tolerate. It can be something as simple as, I have a boundary. I have have a lot of boundaries. I really like my boundaries. I have a boundary around, I'm not going to take calls in the middle of the night. I'm not going to respond to texts in the middle of the night. My phone goes off at night and I'm done. And that's just a boundary. Now, if my kids are somewhere and I'm concerned about something, if somebody's in the hospital, of course, that's a different story. But just routinely speaking, when I go to bed, I turn my phone off because I value my sleep and I really like my sleep and I need my sleep. So I have a boundary over communication at night. Again, it's not aggressive. It's not hostile. It's very clear and it protects me and my sleep. I have some boundaries around the kinds of foods that I eat. For the most part, I don't eat red meat. For the most part, I eat organic. For the most part, I try to eat a healthy diet. There's some boundaries around that. If somebody offers me like a soda, I can say, oh, no, thank you. I don't need to go into this whole description of I don't drink soda because blah, 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 blah. And this is what I know. And this is none of that matters. It's the boundary for my own body. My body doesn't feel good when I eat meat. My body doesn't feel good when I drink soda. It doesn't mean that sometimes I don't choose to have something. But I also don't have to explain it to somebody. It's just a boundary that I have. No, thank you. I don't need that. I don't want that. I don't even need to say I don't need or want it. I literally can just say, no, thank you. And the whole thing is fine. So I think the first step, the first stage in getting comfortable with boundaries is realizing that they're just kind of normal. They're kind 
they're loving, and they're normal. If you have a kid or a dog or a cat or any kind of animal, are you going to tolerate somebody else spanking your child, hitting your child, kicking your dog? Oh my gosh, of course not. It's a boundary that you have. And while you might normally not even have to address that, there are situations where it is appropriate to state. In my house, we don't spank. In my house, we don't do this. I don't do that with my child. And it's just, again, stating a boundary. A boundary is something that you have for your own protection. It's not to punish somebody else. Now that is worth repeating. A boundary is not to punish somebody else. It is for you and for your own protection. Now, there's different kinds of boundaries too. There are non-negotiable boundaries. If ever a teacher hit one of my kids in school, that's a non-negotiable boundary. My kid is not going back to that teacher's classroom. If ever somebody sexually assaults me, that is a boundary that has been breached that is not negotiable. It's not okay. Game over. We are done. There are some boundaries that are more situational. Right now, I'm not in the mood to be bothered with that. Call me later. Like I mentioned, my phone at night. My phone is not on at night. I do not take calls, but there's that situational exception. If somebody might need to get a hold of me because they're in the hospital or my kids are out, that's an exception. That is a negotiable boundary because it's more situational. And then there are purely negotiational boundaries. And that might be something around housework. Who divides up the labor around the home? Who drives somebody to and from daycare or school or work or something like that? Even though those aren't necessarily always boundaries, some of them are boundaries because they're set forth for our protection. If you are negotiating a boundary at home over who picks up a child from daycare or school, you have to rely on that boundary, especially if you're working. You're dealing with other people. You count on somebody else to do something for you. And when they breach that boundary and can't do it, it creates a problem for you. And that's what boundaries are all about. Not having problems for yourself. Not creating problems or discomfort for yourself. They're truly about keeping yourself safe. Keeping your things safe and keeping those that you love safe. And you get to choose your boundaries all the time. And you get to choose when you negotiate those boundaries or when you set those boundaries down. And you also get to choose when you keep them. Okay, so that's a little bit about what a boundary is. It's not punishment. It's just you exercising your free agency. The different types of boundaries, non-negotiable, you know, negotiable. There's also boundaries literally in every area of life. We have physical boundaries. Don't touch me here. We have emotional boundaries. If I'm sharing something with you, you can't throw that in my face later. If I am upset about something, you can't make fun 
of me. That's a boundary. There's also intellectual boundaries. There's the boundaries of sensitivity, let's call it. If you've had an experience with something and you know it's a trigger, even though it's not a physical boundary, it's not necessarily an emotional boundary, but it's something that bothers you, you can have a boundary around that. If you're sensitive about your freckles or your thighs or things like that, you very clearly can set a boundary over, we don't tease about that. We don't make fun of my freckles. We don't make fun of my thighs. I have a boundary around that. You can have a boundary around that, whatever that is. And that's more of that intellectual boundary. It's, it's understanding that it's a joke, but understanding that I'm, I don't like that. And I don't have to explain it and you don't have to explain it, but that's something I'm not comfortable with. And you can set boundaries around that. Now, boundaries after betrayal are all of this and more. And here's why. When somebody cheats on you, not only are they violating the obvious boundaries around, you know, trust, fidelity, but they're also violating a lot of like unspoken boundaries. Like if somebody cheats on you, they can get a sexually transmitted disease that they can then bring home to you and give to you. And even though that's not addressed specifically, like we usually don't go to our spouse and say, you cannot give me, I have a boundary over getting a sexually transmitted disease. You can't give that to me. This is one of those unspoken things that all of a sudden comes up. And there are literally hundreds of those unspoken boundary violations that happen around infidelity and betrayal that we don't tend to think of or express. And then suddenly we think about it and the bottom drops out of our world. Like even if your partner didn't bring home a sexually transmitted disease, at some point you're going to have that fear. Oh my gosh, he or she could have. And then your brain goes down that whole rabbit hole of what if, and you make yourself crazy. Another boundary that gets violated in an affair is around the finances. How much money, how much of our marital resources did my partner divert away from our marriage, away from our family, and waste on an affair partner? That's a financial boundary that was breached. Because in a marriage, and all people have different ways of dealing with money, but for the most part, people have some rules around how much money they spend individually, how much they spend jointly, they discuss, and all of a sudden, there is this financial boundary that has been breached. And again, the impact of betrayal is so deep and so far reaching that it's sometimes weeks or even months later that the betrayed partner will go, oh my gosh, there was this too. I hadn't even realized that there was this too. And then they go through an entire new cycle of grief, cycle of shame, 
cycle of pain, cycle of fear, because they realize, oh, yet another boundary has been breached. So with this understanding, what do you do after a betrayal? How do you go through figuring it all out and setting all of the boundaries? I don't know if you can relate to this, but after I was betrayed, when I started thinking about all of the unspoken assumptions, I was overwhelmed. Like, I never specifically said, I expect you to be faithful to me because I assumed that because we were married, we would have sexual fidelity. I assumed we would have trust. I assumed that he wouldn't, you know, spend money on other people or take people, other people on vacations or like all of these things. Who thinks about that? Nobody thinks about that. So then when it came time to figuring out all of these boundaries and what were my boundaries, I was completely overwhelmed. How can I think of everything? And what if I miss one? What if I say this and then he thinks this and then I've messed up because I haven't been totally clear in my boundaries? And for a while, that overwhelm kind of paralyzed me. And it really sent me off into an unhealthy space. And I just want to be really clear and call that out. If you are feeling that way, the way you are feeling is normal. It's totally normal to be overwhelmed. It's totally normal to start internalizing that pain and thinking, what did I miss? What did I not ask for? How could I have been so stupid? And what I want to say to you is, you're not so stupid. You didn't miss a darn thing. And if you fail to ask for something, that is not your failing. It is the person who betrayed you. It is their failing for going around in such a manipulative and deceptive way behind your back that you would even be put in this situation in the first place. So please, right now, breathe in, breathe out. If you want to say a little affirmative prayer or a little meditation or whatever it is to ground and center yourself, do that now. One of my favorite techniques for clearing the old and moving into the new is a technique that I learned as a hypnotherapist. And it's called an anchor. To anchor yourself right here, right now, take your thumb and your index finger and gently rub them together. And as you do that, be aware of how it feels on your thumb and on your index finger. And just see if you can notice which finger is feeling what sensation. And as you're noticing, breathe. Allow your breath to deepen. And then silently repeat to yourself as you're touching, as you're feeling, as you're breathing, silently repeat to yourself whatever it is you need to do. Let it 
go or release the pain or this was not my fault. Whatever your affirmation is, repeat it about three times silently in your head or out loud. Touch. Breathe. And let it go. That is powerful because we've stirred up the drama over how bad things were. We have done some learning around what a boundary is, the different types, what it's there for, and how some of your boundaries were breached. And now we're going into to go into what to do now. What are the top boundaries that you should be setting after a betrayal in order to fully protect yourself? And in order to be very clear and thoughtful about that, you need to be very clear and thoughtful and you need to be in the conscious thinking portion of your brain, not in a state of reactivity. So that is why we focus that. And that is also one of the best techniques that you can use when you are working with your boundaries and when your boundary has been violated. So we will circle back to that as we move through the top boundaries that you should be setting after a betrayal. So before we move into these top five boundaries, before we use that anchoring technique again, we are going to take a break. But again, let me remind you to go to nakedselfworth.com and to download your free copy of Sparkle After Betrayal. And we will be right back. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream, and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra, Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt, Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. And we are back talking about the top most important boundaries that need to be set after infidelity or a betrayal. And I'm also going to give you some tools for doing that in a really healthy way. Because like we talked about in the beginning of the show, a boundary is to protect yourself, to protect your emotional, physical, spiritual, or intellectual health. And the point of living is to feel good. The point of living is to live an enjoyable life. Because when you are living and enjoying, you are a gift to others. And when you're in a state of trauma, you are not a gift to others. Okay, so let's talk about boundaries. The first, maybe it's obvious, but the first and the most important boundary that needs to be set after infidelity or betrayal, especially if you have any hope of continuing on 
in the marriage or in the relationship is no contact with the affair partner. Now, again, a boundary is for you. It's not about punishment. So doesn't this sort of seem like punishment? Well, in a way it does, but let's be clear. We have limited time. We have limited resources. They say you can't run on two tracks at the same time, and you can't. If you are working on your marriage, you're working on your marriage. And if you're working on a relationship with your affair partner, you're working on a relationship with your affair partner. And quite frankly, you can't have both. So number one rule after an affair is no contact with the affair partner. Now, that might be different if you were absolutely planning on divorcing or if the affair partner is pregnant or if the parties work together. But again, that's where we get into those, some of the negotiations around that. If your partner works with the affair partner, what are the things that you can negotiate around that? Can somebody transfer departments? Can somebody leave work? Can there be contact but have that contact limited to public places where other people are involved. There's a lot of different ways that you can negotiate around that. But yes, this is done for your emotional safety. This could be for your physical safety as well. But this is about you. This is not punishing them. Another really, really crucial boundary that needs to be established after infidelity or betrayal is to have open technology. Whether that's knowing somebody's passwords to their social media or email or just their phone in general, you truly need to have access. And again, it's not about punishment. It's not that, hey, you've blown your chance and now you get zero privacy. What it's about is making yourself feel safe. And yes, you might actually need to challenge yourself, not your partner. You might need to challenge yourself a bit on this one too. What do you need to see to make you feel safe? Is it messenger? Is it social media? Do you need to delete social media accounts? Is that better? Is it email? Is it that you maybe don't need the passwords, but that you have an agreement between the two of you that whenever you have a feeling, whenever you have an insecurity, whenever you want to check, you're entitled to check and that they will open up the phone for you? Again, you've got to ask what feels good for you. And just because I have said you need access to technology. You get to decide what that looks like and what that means. But again, you also need to balance what that's like for the other person. Caveat. <laughs> when somebody has cheated, they do lose their right to privacy in a lot of different ways. And sorry to say that, but that is true. You do lose certain privileges and certain rights as the betraying partner. And that is something that 
can and should be addressed and talked about too. If you were caught quote unquote snooping, is it really snooping after somebody has had an affair? Is it really snooping if that's when you uncovered the affair? Again, it's what, what do you need to keep yourself safe? If your mental health is declining because you are crazed, because you're suspecting things and your partner is acting really weird, what are some of the boundaries that you need to keep yourself safe? Because so often the women that I work with will tell me a story like this. My husband was acting really weird. Things were different and I suspected some stuff. So I started poking around. And what I discovered was, and then they launch into the discovery of the affair. And then what happens is their partner is really mad because they violated their privacy. From where I stand, yes, but no. When you are in a married relationship, there is an expectation of trust. And when you start feeling, whether it's intuitively or because of a change of behavior or whatever, I do think, and people differ on this, but I do think you have a right and a duty and an obligation to check some of that out. I really think that that is okay to do that snooping, to do that checking. What I don't think is okay is to have your partner's phone tracked or traced. I don't think it's okay to have a tracker on their vehicle without them knowing. And this is, of course, for the first time. I don't think it's okay to record calls or have cameras in the house. I don't think any of that is okay. Different story after the affair with communication around that. Maybe it's my legal background, but I have got a lot of integrity around surreptitiously recording phones, computers, cars, anything like that without the other person's knowledge. Snooping in my book is okay, reasonable, and something you probably should do if you suspect something. Using surveillance techniques, not okay. Private investigator might be a different story, but doing that stuff on your own, I, for me, I don't feel a level of integrity around that. And again, people can differ. And post-discovery, I do think that's a different story. I do think there is a place for that afterwards if you've had some discussion around that. But that's a different story. That That's more of a, that's like off the boundaries topic a little bit. <laughs> you get to have very clear boundaries around the conversation around the affair. And I think that is incredibly important, especially if you want to preserve the relationship. An affair is an emotional thing for the person who has been betrayed, but it also provokes a lot of shame in the betraying partner. And no, to a certain extent, it's hard, it's hard to have shame. It's hard to have sympathy or empathy for that. 
But at the same time, if we want to get our needs met, boundaries are about us. And if we want the betraying partner to open up, then we do have to be aware and cognizant of how they respond when their shame is peaked. Most people, when they are in a state of shame and they feel very vulnerable, they shut down. They hide. They start deflecting. And the conversation does not move forward. So when you think about boundaries, a really good boundary to have is rules about when and how you discuss an affair. Like you might not ever spring it on your partner. You might always ask first, hey, can we create some sacred space to have a conversation about something that I am wondering about? That's actually how I bring it up in my own marriage. Can we create some sacred space around something that I am feeling? Because that lets your partner know, ooh, there's going to be a lot here. I need to not be distracted. I need to turn my phone off. I need to clear my calendar. I need to prepare myself, take some deep breaths. And then it also keeps them a little more curious about it because you have expressed that it's about you. It's not them. Notice the difference between saying, we got to talk about the last time you screwed me over. Whew, that's threatening. How are you going to respond to that? Even if you're interested in continuing the relationship or growing, that shuts the other person down. It's the I statements. It's the use of I am having this feeling and I want to talk about something that I am feeling. And it's giving them the warning. And it's not really a warning that they can like prepare and defend, but it's letting them know, hey, it's time to move into my heart. It's time to really listen and it's time to connect. And that is going to serve you well. Because it's all about you as the betrayed partner moving ahead and getting some closure and having some discussion around this. And again, it doesn't matter if you stay together or if you separate. There's information that we need, whether you're co-parenting or whatever it is, you will need to do a lot of closure with this person. And if you want closure and you deserve closure, you darn well deserve closure, the best way to ask is in a way that preserves your boundaries. And like I said at the beginning of the show, it's not about punishment and it's not about being aggressive. But when you say, can we create some sacred space to have a discussion around something that I am having a concern with? You have just created a huge boundary. It needs to be sacred space, which means they need to be available for you. You have talked about a discussion, not a fight or a confrontation. And you have very clearly said, I've got a problem. I feel a certain way. I need clarity. And that does create a win-win situation for you. And that truly is what boundaries are all about, is creating that win-win situation. Okay, another thing around healthy boundaries and how to create healthy boundaries is being clear about how you feel. Especially when you're in an intimate relationship, 
no, you don't necessarily need to tell, you know, everybody exactly how you feel around your boundaries. But post-affair, I think it is very useful in setting your boundaries to state how you feel. My feelings get hurt when. I feel insecure when. Sharing how you feel around the boundary helps the other person understand that you're not seeking to punish. I am afraid that there's more here that I don't know about. I want full access to your social media accounts, finances, whatever, so I can take care of that fear. So that whenever I am having a moment of insecurity, I can just go check and that I'm not afraid that you're out there deleting something. I'm afraid that even though we have set the boundary that you are going to have no contact with your affair partner, I'm afraid that somehow, some way, contact is going to happen. And therefore, I would feel much better if I had access to all of your social accounts. Things like that, they're, they're reasonable and you're sharing why you want it. You're not saying, because you screwed up, I'm now in control of the finances and now I'm going to do this and I'm taking the kids. You are sharing vulnerably and authentically about what you feel and why that boundary protects you. This boundary protects you because... When you have an understanding around that, it's easy to communicate the understanding around that. And so often in the women that I coach and the women that I work with, they get frustrated around boundaries because they expect their partner to have a boundary and to understand a boundary that they don't understand themselves. And they might say something like, oh, well, I know that they're not supposed to have contact with the affair partner. I know I'm supposed to have passwords and and, and all that, but they don't know why and they don't know why they feel threatened. So then they get in fights or they think that they're supposed to be able to get intimate with their partner again, but they still are not ready for that. And then when their physical boundary gets breached, they're mad but they don't understand in their heart that they weren't ready yet and that they didn't set the boundary and that they just expected or anticipated that their partner would understand that. And that's when things really get convoluted. So you really, there's so much self-knowledge and self-awareness, but yes, what are the boundaries that you want and why and how do you feel? So the next part of that is You've got the boundary, you share how you feel, and then you communicate. You ask the person to stop. So if somebody is violating your boundary, like I talked about talking about the affair, if even if it's the affair partner or the um, betraying partner, if all of a sudden they just spring something on you, let me tell you about this time with my affair partner. Instead of asking, when can we talk about it? How is this going to work? And this is how I'm feeling. And they spring something on you. You first need to ask them slash tell them to stop. Oh, hey, 
Our rule around a fair discussion was that we had to ask each other, that we had to let each other know that we wanted to talk and that we would both agree like, hey, now is a great time or let me finish up this call. I felt like that was sprung on me and my boundary was violated on that. Now is not a good time. How about six? We need to communicate when a boundary has been violated because if we don't communicate that the boundary is violated, we're going to go around feeling bitter and resentful. And then we're going to have this story in my head that he or she never listens. Oh my gosh, they're just so bad to me and they don't really care, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes we've had a relationship where we have had no boundaries. So then when we set them, other people just legitimately forget. Oh gosh, I totally forgot to ask you if now is a good time to have a conversation because for the past 20 years, I've just spoken my mind when I have the thought. We have to have grace for the other person's learning curve as well. Especially if we have come from a marriage with kind of loose boundaries. And that's a whole other rabbit hole that we could go down because as women, we are mostly raised not to have boundaries. We are raised to be accommodating. We are raised to be nice. A good wife accommodates her partner. A good woman is selfless and giving. Blah, 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 blah. That translates to a good woman is boundaryless. I know I was very boundaryless in my marriage because I thought that was what it meant to be a good wife, a good partner, to show up, to be there at the drop of a hat, to put my own stuff aside and to take care of other people. I really thought I was doing a good thing. So then when all of a sudden I started creating boundaries, I also had to give my partner, to give my family, to give my friends grace and space for their learning curve. Hey, In the past, I have done that for you. But remember, from here on out, you need to ask first. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Great. When's a good time? Give other people a very clear definition of what you expect and what you want. State your emotions, your reasons why, your feelings, and then give them a little bit of grace and space for their learning curve. Now that said, a little bit of grace and space for a learning curve is one thing. Letting the same bad behavior drag on for six months or a year at a time is completely another story. And that leads to the next rule, the next step in setting boundaries. You need to state what you will do to protect yourself. So you've been clear. I feel threatened when a conversation is thrown on me, whatever. I need you to ask, oh, hey, you violated that boundary. You didn't ask first. You just sprung that question on me. I understand that this is new. I understand that this is a different dynamic in our relationship. And while I respect and honor your learning curve, this is not something that I'm going to tolerate for a long period of time. If you do this again, I will, 
and then state what you're going to do. State clearly what you're going to do. I will walk out. I will disengage from the conversation. It will make me disinclined to move forward in working with you on our marriage. I will, whatever, file for divorce. You need to think about what it is truly worth to you and what is your boundary around that. Then, and this is the hard part for so many people, you have to do the thing that you said. You have to do it. If you have set a boundary and you have been hurt and you have expressed what you need and why you need it and you have reminded and giving some grace and space for that learning curve and somebody still isn't doing it and you have said that you're going to terminate the relationship or whatever it is that you're going to do, find a new place to live, leave for the day, I don't know, then you actually have to do that thing. And again, it's not that you're doing it to punish somebody. You're doing it to protect yourself. And even if in that moment, you're really not that triggered, because this is something I hear a lot too. Well, in that moment, I really wasn't that triggered. So even though I said I was going to do it, I didn't really want to do it because I really wasn't that mad this time. My answer to that is, I don't care. You really weren't that mad or that triggered this time, but what about next time? You're doing it to protect yourself. You're doing it to your to honor yourself. You're doing it to so you're not betraying yourself. And when you do that big, drastic thing, do you think the other person is going to learn? I do. And again, it's not punishment. But if you are in the middle no, not in the middle. I mean, this is just such a simple example. But if you, if your spouse is complaining about the dinner that you cooked and you have said, it hurts my feelings when you complain about the dinner that I cooked because taste is a personal preference thing, you either need to keep that to yourself or I will not cook and they complain, then you need to not cook. I mean, it, it, that, I, like I said, that's a simplistic example, but you need to not cook or you can cook for yourself and not them. But you need to do what it is because guess what? They're going to learn that way. If somebody is counting on you to cook and suddenly they have no meals, they will learn. And then again, it's up to you to enforce that because you're protecting yourself and nobody else is going to protect you except you. And that's why so often betrayal really comes down to self-betrayal. And the way that we betray ourselves when we give in. A boundary is not a punishment. If you are setting a boundary that feels like a punishment, check yourself. Check yourself. Because it might be. I also want to challenge you on this because you know I'm really big on checking yourself because the only person we can change is ourselves. We can't change other people. We can train other people. And that's what a boundary is. We're training somebody else. We're training them to ask before having a conversation. We're training them to honor our physical boundaries. We are training them. We're not punishing them. We're not controlling them. But we are training them 
how to interact with us. We are honoring ourselves first and foremost, our comfort first and foremost. And we are training them in how we want to be related to. The question I want to challenge you with is, what are you afraid of? Why are you afraid to set boundaries? The answer that I hear a lot is, I don't want to lose that relationship. I don't want to feel like a witch. I don't want to be overly aggressive. I'm afraid that I'll have to follow through. Do you feel that? I'm afraid that I'll have to follow through. Unwind that. Who are you hurting if you don't follow through? Who are you hurting? It's you. It's always you. No, you can't change somebody else. But you are worthy. You are worthy of people who respect you. You are worthy of relationships that build you up, not tear you down. Are you going to lose a person or a relationship? If you set a boundary, wow, you might. And might that be a person or a relationship that is worth losing? That's a powerful question, but I want you to sit with that. Because there are better people out there. There are better relationships out there. And I always go back to this powerful question. If this was your mom, your daughter, your best friend, somebody that you love and care for, if this was them, what would you encourage them to do? Would you encourage your daughter or your mother or your best friend to stay in a relationship where their boundaries were constantly being violated and they felt uncomfortable and they felt sad and they felt disrespected? What would you advise them to do? And then the big question, why would you accept anything less You are so worthy of love and of healthy relationships and respect. And if you are vulnerably and authentically taking the time to learn how you feel and to understand how you feel, to share how you feel with somebody, to communicate clearly I need you to stop doing this. This is what I need to start having happen. I understand this is a learning curve. Let's try this again. Here's what I'm going to do if you don't do that. Why would you not follow through? Why would you not follow through? Fear. Fear of loss of losing that relationship. But why 
would you want to hold on to something that makes you feel bad? Why would you want to hang on to somebody who is not willing to grow with you? Fear that you'll never find anybody else. Fear that this is the best that you'll ever get. Fear that you don't deserve it. Where is all that unworthiness coming from? Now I've stirred up a lot, which means it's time to go back to that anchor. It's time to go back to touching the thumb and the forefinger. It's time to breathe again. It's time to concentrate on the physical touch. And it's time to mentally or out loud if you can, repeat the mantra, because I'm worthy. Because I deserve to feel good. Because I am me. Because I am enough. I am enough. Keep breathing. Keep touching. Keep feeling. And whichever statement resonates the most fully with you, keep repeating it. I am enough. I am more than enough. And as you are doing that, as you're breathing, as you're touching, let me circle back around to the very beginning about that concept of naked self-worth and going to nakedselfworth.com for your Sparkle After Betrayal Recovery Guide. Naked self-worth is just that. It is having worth naked. (laughs) Not necessarily physically naked, although that can be a part of it because of all the body shame stuff that we go through, but that we are worthy. We are worthy no matter what. Our relationship status doesn't matter. Our job title doesn't matter. Our level of education, our political party, our religious affiliation, the kind of house we have, our car we drive, our clothing that we wear, none of that adds to our worth. We are worthy because of who we are. And that's what naked self-worth is about. It's that I am worthy with or without a partner, kids, a job, a home, looks, a certain weight, a size. I am worthy because I am me. And that's where healthy boundaries start. With that awareness that you are good and you are enough, And that it doesn't matter what that boundary is, you deserve to set it because you deserve to protect yourself because if you don't do it, who will? So many people are looking for that knight in shining armor. And let me tell you, the knight in shining armor doesn't exist. And when the knight in shining armor does exist, they only exist when you have been your own knight. Other people will only protect you When you are vigilant about protecting yourself. Because we can't expect people to do more for us than we're willing to do for ourselves. 
So if that's what you really, 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 really want, because that's something I hear a lot too, but Laura, I just want. Great, you can want that. But you're not going to get it by being a damsel in distress. The only way you're going to get it, and I do mean the only way you're going to get it, is by giving it to yourself first. Because that way you stand in your own worth and you fight and you become exactly what it is that you want to attract. And that's what boundaries are about. Becoming what you want to attract. Asserting what you want to attract in other people. Sit with that discomfort. Use that anchoring technique whenever sensations come up. But I want you to own your power, to know what you deserve, to figure out what you need, and to have the ability to ask for it, to call people out, to express yourself fully, to say clearly what you are going to do if they violate the boundary, and then to do it. Because I guarantee the first time doing it is the hardest. And then after that, you're going to be like, oh, I didn't know what the big deal was. That was really easy. I've got that now. And then you will just be a boundary queen. But it all boils down to having enough naked self-worth to feel that you deserve to set those boundaries. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for taking this deep dive into boundaries, what they are, the different types, what they mean, how to set them, and for being willing to look at yourself and your own self-worth. Have an amazing week, and as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are, because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com. 